deeper and deeper involved in those and began to do a lot of online undercover chatting. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement Podcast, brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, Go Law Enforcement has the largest listing of law enforcement job openings. To help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve, we've put together a special guide for you. Seven Inside Tips to Get a Law Enforcement Job Fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. The Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation oversees the Internet Crimes Against Children Wisconsin Task Force. This year, they have the first statewide conference for Internet Crimes Against Children. I was invited to attend the conference, and I've got some great interviews with organizers, investigators, and some of the presenters from that conference. So, let's get started. We're going to start with the commander of the Wisconsin Internet Crimes Against Children Statewide Task Force, Matt Joy. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Matt Joy. I work with the Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation. I'm a director at the Wisconsin Department of Justice. I manage our state's Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force and also a human trafficking unit. Could you start us off with a description of what is Internet Crimes Against Children? So the ICAC, I-C-A-C, Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force, is really a nationwide effort. The ICAC program is overseen by the United States Department of Justice, and they issue grants to 61 states and or regions. So in Wisconsin, we have one task force. That's the Wisconsin ICAC task force. And essentially, the goal or the mission of the ICAC is um, several fold. It's to investigate crimes that are against committed against children and are technology-based, so using the Internet or cellular phones, iPads, tablets, computers, uh, any sort of technology that's used to facilitate that crime. Uh, we investigate those things. Another uh, mission of the ICAC is obviously prosecution, so successful resolution of investigations. There's a victim side of it as well. Obviously, we're dealing with children who are uh, have been victimized, um, hurt, harmed. And so we have a component of our task force that works with children, gets them in, in, in touch with uh, victim witness folks and social services to help them with their needs and their concerns and issues. And we also have uh, an Internet safety awareness component. So we provide Internet safety training to schools, community groups, citizens, uh, people to just give them awareness of uh, new technologies and things that are out there so they can be aware of some of the areas of concern and some of the things that we see related to crimes against children and using technology to facilitate those crimes. You have ICAC affiliates throughout the state. How does that work? Yeah, our task force, um, one of the largest in the nation, actually, here in Wisconsin. We've got about 250 partners, um, primarily local law enforcement. We've got district attorney's offices, um, so police departments, sheriff's offices, 
our division of criminal investigation is considered the primary or lead task force agency. That's because we're the ones that manage the grant that comes from the federal government. Really, it's um, you know trying to get opportunities to to share and learn from one another, and uh, that's what we're doing today, Joe. Is we've got a, a statewide conference here in Green Bay uh, where we're providing opportunities for ICAC investigators and prosecutors, school resource officers, anyone who has ties to um, investigating or working with children um, who have been victimized through technology. This is a venue where we can can share and collaborate and talk about ways to do things better, best practices, um, and those kinds of things. So the statewide task force, um, you know, just getting these these opportunities to get together and learn from one another is very important. If somebody was interested in getting into law enforcement, specifically ICAC work, what advice would you have for them? You know, I think there's a number of things somebody could do if they have an interest in working with children to seek opportunities to learn from partners. So social services, victim witness programs at district attorney's offices, police departments, sheriff's offices, do internships, do ride-alongs, get to know the folks who are invested and tied into these programs, do um, online research, learn about what the program is, call people, ask questions, call me. Um, I'd be happy to share information about the task force and the work we do, not only in Wisconsin, but around around the country. As I said, it's a nationwide program. There are task forces in literally every state in the nation. Um, and so there are resources out there uh, where you can talk to folks in your geographic area, whether it be Wisconsin or outside of Wisconsin, uh, who can kind of point you in the right direction of, of folks that you would want to talk to and learn from to make sure it is something you would like to do. It's challenging work, um, working with children who have been impacted. You know, our investigators, our prosecutors are exposed to very sensitive material, very troubling material, it's harmful material. Some of the things that we see, the images and videos, can be very dramatic and, and disturbing and, and harmful. So the stories that we hear of victimization can be very traumatic. And so making sure that this is something that, you know, you you would be able to or willing to work with that kind of content and those experiences in furtherance of helping people would be important. Do most states in the U.S. have an Internet Crimes Against Children program? Most do. Some of the larger states, uh, larger by population, have multiple task forces. So New York, California, Texas, Florida, some of the larger population states have multiple task forces within them. But the majority of states have a single task force, single point of contact. Is ICAC work an up-and-coming area of specialization in law enforcement? It's, it is, Joe. Um, the task force itself ha began in uh, the late 1990s. There were 10 task forces um, back in 1998, 1999. Wisconsin was one of the first 10. It's grown now to 61 task forces. So over the last 18 or so years, there's been this increased recognition in the kinds of crimes and the kinds of victimization that can occur. Obviously, Joe, the technology has changed, and that's where uh, we see this increased need or demand on forensics, digital forensics capabilities, and the awareness of our investigators and the prosecutors to be able to um, adequately inform a judge or a jury as to the elements of these crimes. Um, some of the statutes are I'll say, lagging behind in terms of the technology. And so sometimes we need to be creative with what people are charged with, the crimes they're charged with, because of you know, how technology changes. And so, you know, 10 years ago, we were primarily investigating computers, seizing laptops. Well, now it's cell phones and tablets, the cloud storage, terabytes of data on uh, terabyte hard drives and larger 
So as the, the technology increases and changes, so does the task force and the, the concerns or the needs of the task force. So we need to try to stay abreast of all these changes in technology and changes in how um, people use technology to engage in criminal activity. Is the task force made up of different specialties? Can you talk about the makeup of the ICAC task force? So the task force is made up of sworn and non-sworn. We have investigators, we have prosecutors, we have school resource officers, we have digital forensics, any number of, uh, we have uniform patrol officers on the task force. And so once someone gets into law enforcement, um, wherever that may be, and you have an interest in this, learn about your agency's involvement in the task force program. Once your agency becomes partnered in the task force, there are additional opportunities for funding. Uh, there are additional opportunities for training that may not be otherwise available to non-ICAC agencies through the National ICAC Partnership. And so I, I would encourage folks in law enforcement, once you get into law enforcement, you have an interest in the ICAC, speak to uh, your administration, ask about you know your agency's level of um, involvement, and if you're not involved, contact your state's or your region's ICAC task force commander and ask how you can get involved. Typically, it's just signing an MOU, and away you go, and they've got access to that very important training. Whether you're from a very small agency with one or two people to the largest agencies you know, in the country, um, the LAs and the NYPDs and the Milwaukee PDs, um, there's room for everyone to be a part of this task force because, unfortunately, these kinds of crimes happen everywhere. It's not a big city phenomenon. It's, it's everywhere. And so to make sure we give tools to law enforcement in all corners of the country is extremely important, and uh, that online training is critical. So there are ways to get involved. Um, you don't have to be from a very large department. A small department can, can do a lot of great things, and we encourage that. Commander Joy, thank you. Thank you. Next, we have criminal analyst and ICAC investigator, Michael Seawall. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Michael Seawall. I'm a criminal analyst and ICAC investigator for the Winnebago County Sheriff's Office in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. What was your career path getting into law enforcement? Well, I actually kind of stumbled into it myself. Um, I began right out of college. I went to UW-Madison with degrees in political science and legal studies. And I started out as just a uh, crime analyst looking at statistics and crime statistics and stuff like that for the sheriff's office and for the Winnebago County District Attorney's Office. Eventually, that kind of led me into digital forensics, and that pushed me into, you know, all things ICAC. Once you get into the technology realm of investigations, you kind of naturally fit into the Internet Crimes Against Children investigations. And so I found myself, you know, deeper and deeper involved in those and began to do a lot of online undercover chatting, peer-to-peer -peer network, file sharing, investigations, and things of that nature. Would you talk about what you do in your role with forensics? Um, right now, I, I run our um, all of our digital forensics, and it kind of spans all different types of investigations, from drugs to property, right into ICAC. So, I mean, we have a really well-rounded group of guys backed by us that a lot of people know a lot about digital forensics. So I have a lot of support in the things that I try to do, and it's one of those things where you're constantly learning and trying to stay ahead of the game. And sometimes that can be difficult, but uh, thankfully we've got a department that is really 
determined to stay ahead of that curve and make sure that we have the resources we need to combat the things that we're, we're encountering in the field. The biggest difference between what you see in real life and on TV with forensics? Um, I'd say just the time that it takes. I think some people don't realize that, you know, yeah, it's, it's awesome to take down someone, you know, who has millions and millions of videos and images of child pornography, but there's someone behind that that has to sit and, you know, look through those images and look through those videos and take the time to really decipher what's in there and where they're coming from and if we can identify victims and things like that. And, you know, that, that takes its toll and that's hours and hours a day for, you know, sometimes a couple weeks at a time that you're doing those things. And I just think those aspects are kind of lost in all of it. The behind the scenes, like the real grunt work that goes into digital forensics isn't always seen and, and we always get the end result in the paper or in convictions, but all that work that goes on beforehand is kind of where all the, the bread and butter is in this. Is there one case that illustrates your work in forensics? Um, maybe not so much forensics, but there's there's cases that there's one case in particular that kind of shows how you know high technology crime is is kind of somewhere where we need to stay on top of things. I mean, I've I do a lot of work on um, a Russian-based image site where people can you know post various pictures of of children and they might not be child pornography necessarily, but um, just pictures and videos of things. And, you know, we were able to utilize, you know, Google and Facebook and Etsy and all these different platforms to identify an individual who's a hands-on offender out in Washington State. So there's just all these intricate and very complex investigations that go on that you're jumping from one stone to the next just trying to figure out, you know, that final piece and find that offender out wherever they may be. Was there any special training or education that you had which helped you in the area of forensics? Well, I would say um, being involved with the ICAC task force in general has has really helped. I've I came out of college, like I said, right into this field, so I, I wasn't a computer science guy. I grew up with computers um, and you know smartphones and stuff like that, so I had kind of a basic knowledge. But getting involved with the peer-to-peer work. Um, really opened my eyes to you know the complexities of of getting into hard drives and and looking at different codes and, and trying to just figure out manipulate different software programs in order to find the evidence that we're looking for. So a lot of mine was a lot of my training and experience is just hands-on work and, and trying to learn things on my own accord and and figure things out as I went along. So, what advice would you have for somebody who is interested in getting into ICAC work? or law enforcement in general? I would say stay up to date on technology for sure. I mean, that is where absolutely everything is kind of gearing towards, whether it be, you know, evidence. Everything's on someone's phone. Your life is right there. You can tell a lot about a person by their internet history, by what apps they have, by, you know, who they talk to and what they talk about. So, I mean, staying up to date on on computers and, and technology and apps and things of that nature goes a long ways in ICAC because the problem is as we continue to find offenders and prosecute offenders throughout the country, you know, they're always jumping to different areas and different apps and different sites. I mean, the dark net has become something that is going to be a, a tough beast to handle. And I think it's, it's coming and it's coming soon where people are starting to figure out that's, you know, it's a scary place, and um, so staying up to date with all these different locations is is absolutely pivotal in our in our ICAC mission. What's one thing you wish you knew before you got into law enforcement? 
I guess I wish I knew specifically with ICAC, kind of the emotional toll it takes on you. I, th- I don't think a lot of people have that awareness of, of what ICAC investigators go through on a daily basis, whether it's chatting online as an undercover or the peer-to-peer child pornography um, type work. It's something that you know you have to have a good support system around you in order to handle people that understand what you do, whether it be people you work with. We've got an awesome sheriff and the detective division I work in with my captain lieutenant. Everyone has a great understanding of what I do and support me 100%. Same with my family. My wife's fantastic. And just having that outlet and having someone to go to and talk to about things is something you need before I think you even jump into things because the work doesn't end once you cross the threshold, that door leaving the office or or putting your phone down once your undercover chatting is done for the night. It's, it's something you need to you sometimes hold on to and think about. And so having that support system and having everybody understand you know, what you're doing and why you're doing it is, is a very important thing. Thanks for doing the interview. Absolutely. The Wisconsin Department of Justice launched a very popular podcast to help keep children safe online. I'm happy to have those hosts of the podcast, Dana Cecil and Carl Waterstreet. Would you introduce yourselves? I'm uh, Carl Waterstreet with the Wisconsin Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation, uh, assigned to the Wisconsin ICAC Task Force, working human trafficking, child sex trafficking, and ICAC investigations. What was your path going into law enforcement? Uh, pretty much drugs at that point, and then it developed into uh, ICAC uh, in the mid part of my career, which eventually led to uh, human trafficking. So kind of a divulge of uh, opportunities that I was given early in my career. I'm Dana Miller. I am a program and policy analyst with the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force um, for the Wisconsin Department of Justice. What does the Wisconsin Department of Justice do regarding Internet Crimes Against Children? We work very closely with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and they are kind of a clearinghouse for all Um, what are called cyber tips, and these are tips uh, related to child exploitation online that are submitted to the center either by general citizens or by electronic service providers, so a lot of the websites and things that we generally use. And then anything that has to do with the state of Wisconsin comes through us, and we work with law enforcement throughout the state on investigating and educating on technology and Internet crimes against children. What would be some examples of ICAC cases? Well, we do uh, traveler investigations, so we do the, the online chat, peer-to-peer, which is uh, computer-to-computer, and uh, overall cyber tips, so th- those that come from the National Centers for Missing and Exploited Children. So those three categories are our main focus of investigation. My understanding is you all have a podcast related to ICAC investigations. What is that podcast? Yeah, we do. Um, it's called Protect Kids Online, and we refer to it commonly as the PKO podcast. And it's something that we've put together uh, that is geared towards um, parents, educators, caregivers of children in order to just educate them or make them maybe consider different perspectives or just learn what's out there as far as new tech, ways to talk to their kids about that tech and how it's being used and how to be safer online. Since Internet crimes against children is an issue across the United States, I presume that your podcast would be relevant to anybody throughout the U.S. 
I'd say worldwide. We, we even have listeners that are overseas. Mm-hmm. So uh, anywhere that technology or the World Wide Web will take you is where our podcast will lead you. So uh, it's any these apps are all out there for the world to use. And so our advice and our perspective on things is uh, world worldwide rather than just the United States. What's the format of the PKO podcast? Each of our episodes are about um, 10 to 15 minutes long. We release them every other week on Tuesdays. And a lot of it is casual chat between Carl and I about the things we see, things we consider um, as risks and ways to maybe mitigate those risks. And then we do a lot of interviews as well. So we've done interviews with investigators that work these cases. We've done interviews with people in the technology industry across the United States to bring um, some new and different information to uh, people that are listening and trying to learn more about tech. We've also done live demos, too, of some of the apps that take place. Uh, And the one that sticks out in my mind, the one we had the most fun with, was the one where Dana couldn't keep her plant alive. (laughs) Random apps of kindness, yeah. (laughs) So uh, we have a lot of fun on it, and we try to to make it lighthearted because it's such a serious topic. But it's uh, definitely an educational-based conversational piece that that parents can bring home and, and talk amongst themselves and their kids and just different ideas and perspectives. Can you highlight a few of the episodes I know one of the most popular ones to start with was on teen chat, and I think it's probably because it was an eye-opener as far as how quickly we start to see some of the grooming processing taking place when predators are reaching out to kids online. So that was a really popular one. Do you think it'd be beneficial for somebody who was going into law enforcement to listen to the PKO podcast so that they develop an understanding of some of the risks that are out there? Oh, 100%. I think not only an idea of what might be happening in tech, but also an idea of what they might be facing as far as the general public learning about tech themselves, maybe not having a knowledge about some of this tech and how they might respond to it uh, when they aren't aware of some of the risks, um, and then how we are expected to then respond to them in turn as law enforcement dealing with whatever situation might arise. So I think it's good from a couple of different perspectives. We even have a, an episode that was either recently released or is going to going to be released where we discuss uh, social media usage and how it affects teenagers and college applications and job interviews. So absolutely, if somebody's trying to get into law enforcement, pay attention. How can people find the PKO podcast? So the easiest way is to go to our website, and that is protectkidsonlinewi.gov. And it's a little bit of a mouthful, but it's a a page on the Wisconsin Department of Justice website, and you can listen straight on that website. You can download from that website, or that links you to iTunes or Google Play or your other favorite podcast app so that you can um, subscribe through that if you want to to get our episodes automatically every other week or whenever we release them, because sometimes there's bonus episodes. Carl and Dana, thanks for doing the interview. Thank you. This is part one of a two-part episode on Internet Crimes Against Children. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on golawenforcement.com. To help you get that law enforcement job you want and deserve, we've put together a special guide for you. Seven inside tips to get a law enforcement job fast. You can get the guide for free just by going to jobtipsnow.com. That's jobtipsnow.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
please leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.